having a healthy ecosystem is important uh, for everybody and we will all benefit. And I think it's easy to underestimate the services that a healthy ecosystem provides all of us in terms of our food and water and health and general well-being. That was Christine Putnam, chairperson of Albemarle County's Natural Heritage Committee and member of the Solid Waste Alternatives Advisory Committee, or SWAC. In this episode, we'll have a conversation that ranges from biodiversity to composting to the importance of turning off your outside lights at night. We'll also address a listener's question. What is your favorite pollinator and why? Welcome to Let's Talk Albemarle. I'm your host, Serena Gruya. I'm the public engagement specialist with Albemarle County in beautiful central Virginia. I've been in this position for just about two years, and every day I learn more about local government and our community. I have spoken with so many people who really want to get involved in local governance, but don't know where to start. Well, it's my hope that this podcast is a starting point to supporting community participation. And for those of you who are already super engaged, a chance to dig into important topics. So today, let's talk, Albemarle, about environmental stewardship in our backyards. Welcome, Christine. Well, thank you, Serena. It's a real pleasure to be here. First, uh, tell us a little bit about the SWAC and the NHC. All right. Well, I'm going to start with the NHC. It's the Natural Heritage Committee. And um, it is charged, it has a really quite a big task because the Almaral County um, has created something called the BAP or the Biodiversity Action Plan. And in there, um, there are a bunch of goals and strategies to preserve uh, the beautiful nature that we have in Albemarle County and the biodiversity that exists. So it includes um, protecting wildlife corridors, uh, making sure that the natural sp spaces stay natural, keeping invasive plants out, and educating landowners on ways that they can be better stewards of their property. Tell me a little bit about what a wildlife corridor is. A wildlife corridor is we have these uh, spaces that are forested and these large forest blocks in Almaro County. And as people probably know, that we're connected to the Shenandoah National Park. So these corridors are really important for wildlife to be able to move from one forest block to another. And as everybody knows, our county, just as is true all across Virginia, and the country as a whole, there's more and more development that's fragmenting um, these wild or natural spaces. So it's really important to protect those corridors so wildlife has an opportunity to move uh, from one place to another. So I've heard in cities, you'll see something like butterfly bridges. What's a way that um, you can create or sustain a wildlife corridor here in Albemarle County? Well, it's really quite simple. Um, one thing that you can do in your own backyard, whether you have just a small lot or you own a larger piece of properties or some acreage, 
5, 20, 100 acres, what you can do is think about your land and your space and how can you allow some of it to just be a little bit wild. Think about um, planting native plants. Even if you live in an apartment, you can set out some pots on your porch and plant those with native species. They're easy to take care of and they provide a stopping ground for those pollinators along their way pollinators. And I know that sometimes we are concerned about those critters that we might think as pesky. Uh, But every living creature needs a place to be. So I can already... um foresee the need for a part two, part three, part four, um, because that's uh, just a small bit of what the Natural Heritage Committee gets into. Now, um, let's shift over to the other committee you're involved in, the SWAC, and tell us a little bit about that and the charge of the SWAC. The SWAC is is just got this great acronym, the Solid Waste Alternative Advisories Committee. And the charge of this whack is to really look at how we deal with um, our solid waste. So really, can we do that responsibly? reduce the amount of waste that ends up into the landfill uh, through recycling and composting. So just being more responsible and keeping tabs on uh, where that waste goes. Many people don't realize, but here in Almar County, we have a transfer center uh, at the Ivy Material Utilization Center. And so that, because the, I, the landfill itself is closed down, so our garbage goes there and then it's transferred to another landfill. So there's quite a large uh, carbon footprint in dealing with our trash. Two big committees that you're participating on. Uh, one, uh, you're the chair. Can you share your journey to joining those committees? Uh, what was the spark that inspired your participation? Um, I actually have just retired as a middle school science teacher. And one of the things that I've always believed in is the importance of being involved citizen, knowing what's going on in your community, and that everybody has a voice and that we can all make a difference. And so that's something that I've tried to instill in my students. We have, uh, we've gotten them to write letters to the representatives. Uh, we've gone to Richmond for Conservation Lobby Day. And And I decided as I was approaching retirement, I decided it was there were opportunities for me to get involved in local government and that I could participate. So uh, I had heard that there were openings on the Natural Heritage Committee and I decided to apply and it's been a great journey. I've learned a lot about how local government works and I have really felt the satisfaction of being able to make a positive difference. Tell us a little bit about the um, some of the initiatives you're most proud of to date. Well, there's a couple that stand out for me. On the Natural Heritage uh, Committee, we have, my big focus has been in uh, around education and outreach. And so um, one of the things that I'm excited to talk about is this initiative to um, reduce the mowing on county lands and to employ something called conservation mowing. So we have a lot of Uh, wonderful parks in the county. And of course, we need areas that are mowed and kept trimmed and orderly so that people can walk through them, uh, which is completely understandable. But there are these edges and areas where people don't 
usually traffic that we could perhaps allow uh, to go just a little bit more wild. And so right now there's some areas in Dardentau Park that have been left that have not been mowed yet. And they are absolutely beautiful places. The grass is tall and they're lovely to look at. And I'm excited to see what ends up showing up there, what sort of bird habitat it provides. And also at Walnut Creek, there are a couple places around um, steep hills and along the edges of the parking lot, between the parking lot and the forest that have not been mowed. And I was just there a couple days ago and it was absolutely beautiful. So there are many advantages to conservation mowing in terms of reducing our carbon footprint and um, uh, improving wildlife habitat. And they were really just beautiful places uh, to enjoy. Can you talk about the, the germination, if you will, of that idea and how it then moved all the way through to the Parks and Recreation Department that is, you know, in charge of mowing. So what what does that timeline look like from when the committee, someone on the committee has a, a great idea to implementation? That is such a great question because it, it did involve a process and it did take several months for um, things to get moving. And so the great thing is being on a commute uh, committee is that you can discuss ideas and uh, bounce them off the other committee members. We had the good fortune on our committee, we have a lot of uh, experts that come in and speak to us. So um, we had the people from Virginia Working Landscapes come and talk to us about this idea of conservation mowing and how you can how uh, those who are involved in agriculture can manage their land better to support wildlife. And so I began to do some reading and research about this idea of conservation mowing or reduced mowing. And I discovered that actually the Virginia State Parks have already implemented this program. So one of the great things, when when one begins this research, it's always great to look at um, models where this is already happening in other communities. And I found a couple counties in Northern Virginia who are also implementing something that was similar. And so I was able to, at that point, um, look at the Biodiversity Action Plan, our county's comprehensive plan, and I found all this language that really supported this idea of reduced mowing, especially when, and the Climate Action Plan. So um, people have been talking about this for years, and I saw mention of ways that we can improve our um, natural landscape, and this was one thing that had been mentioned in there, sort of get in the weeds a little bit. And I wrote a letter uh, to Jim Barber, who's our parks director, and um, I was so pleased with his response. He was very positive, and uh, we have a great natural resource manager, Kim Biasioli, who has been our champion and um, has helped to make some of these connections. So I met with Jim Barber and the uh, head groundskeeper over at Dardentau, and they were very encouraging. We took a look at uh, the area and we saw this hillside that would be a perfect candidate. And so they have been great partners if you go to Darden Tau, you can see some yard signs there. And then uh, at the NHC, we 
one of our new members is uh, just a great graphic artist, and she put together a wonderful flyer, which you can now see uh, at the park kiosk that will tell you a little bit more about conservation mowing. It sounds like this conservation mowing program or pilot is is uh, great in the parks, but also really shows a demonstration to community members about what they can do, maybe on a smaller scale, on their own property. What what's another uh, initiative that that the county has has taken on, or that you'd like to share with the community about something they could do in their own backyards? Albemarle County has a wonderful native plant list. That's the single most important thing that a homeowner can do in terms of providing great backyard wildlife habitat is to put in place some native plants. I think something that I just learned recently to really fully appreciate this is that uh, in order to raise a clutch of chickadees, three or four little birds, it takes 7,000 500 soft-bodied caterpillars to raise them. And those caterpillars are feeding on our native shrubs and plants. They're not going to be able to eat um, the plants that come from Asia. And unfortunately, most of the um, landscaping plants that we purchase at our at the stores are non-native. So it's really important to get those native plants in your yard. They're easy to take care of. They don't require a lot of water and they're beautiful. What I'm really excited about right now are asters. So um, it's fall. And so there are, right now there's a, a wonderful campaign called Plant Northern Piedmont Natives. And there are several no- uh, local nurseries that are participating in this right now. So you can go in there and uh, look for their banner and ask them about their stock of native plants. But I'm sh- sure that they carry an aster and the asters tend to be blue and white and they'll bloom all the way throughout uh, the fall and the, the pollinators love them. Did you know that the host of this podcast also drives a big van around the county? The Let's Talk Albemarle van creates pop-up workshops and outreach events to aim to connect our community to projects, resources, and each other. Visit albemarle.org to see where the van will pop up next. And now, back to the show. Uh, shifting over to um, recycling. So the SWAC is, uh, again, the Solid Waste Alternatives Advisory Committee. And uh, part of the advising that you do is uh, around uh, recycling, composting, taking the trash out, basically. So can you tell us a little bit about the options that our community has in terms of recycling and now composting that, that some people might not know about? Another one of my favorite topics. So we have curbside recycling, but there's also another great option. You can bring your recycling to the McIntyre Recycling Center or the Ivy Materials Utilization Center, and they've got great hours. And uh, at both of those locations, you can bring in uh, food scraps to be composted. And I think that's just an amazing opportunity because that's the... If you don't compost in your backyard, uh, taking it 
to be commercially compost is just an absolute great option. And if we can compost our food scraps, that's going to make a big impact on reducing our greenhouse gas uh, output. Because many people don't know is if you the food goes into the landfill, um, when it breaks down, it breaks down without oxygen, and this releases methane. And methane is a very powerful greenhouse gas. So if the one thing that you can do is start composting, and it's very easy, bring it into McIntyre or Ivy. Okay, let's get specific about composting. For people who don't compost at home or can't compost at home, talk to me about how you hold your scraps for a week or two without it getting totally nasty. I gotcha. Because I know in the summertime, those fruit flies will find your compost bin. So one great option is that you can, um, you can just stick your food scraps in your freezer. And that way nothing's going to get to them and that kind of sets it aside and you don't have to worry about the smell or the fruit flies. And then when you're ready to make your trip to uh, one of those composting sites, just pop it out of the freezer and take it with you. And you can get a compostable bag at the McIntyre Recycling. So you get a couple of them that you can take home and that way it really makes it all mess free. Um, or just get a container with a nice tight fitting lid um, that will work also. Nothing like a five gallon bucket with a good lid on top. Well, that sounds great. Um, what items might not be uh, appropriate for composting? The great thing about the commercial composting is that you can put so much more into it. So you can even you can put bones in it, eggshells, uh, meat scraps, and even some of those uh, napkins, paper plates, anything that um, is not plastic or metal and was once a living thing can go into the compost. Uh, bucket if it's if you take it to be commercially composted at McIntyre. So uh, let's say that you get a takeout meal is in a compostable container. You can stick that in there as well. So speaking of takeout meals, uh, we have a lot of pizza delivery these days. Uh, that's something I just found out also that we have pizza box recycling or composting. Well, the best way to do that, if you really want to do it right, is that you could just tear out the greasy part of your pizza box, stick that in the compost, and the rest of it uh, can be recycled. The pizza box can be recycled over at McIntyre. But if you don't get to that, that's okay too. Just make sure that you take out those little plastic, if there's anything plastic in your pizza box, and the liner. And there's a garbage can where you can do that and stick it in with the cardboard over at McIntyre. Gotcha. Uh, so in terms of uh, recycling and, uh, and, and particularly in the food industry, uh, what is another community doing that you might have seen that is particularly ingenious or, or a good idea that we might think about here in our community? 
Well, I just got back from Portland, Maine, visiting my daughter, and I was really excited to see um, how many people compost. So when you walk down the street, just about everybody's got a five-gallon bucket on garbage day where they place their compost material, and then that gets picked up. And the other great thing is when you go to the area restaurants, uh, everything, all the takeout is in a compostable container, even the utensils and the cup. And what makes it so easy, you don't have to second guess because many of those establishments have a compost bin. So you just put everything in the compost. So they're collecting all the food waste and all those materials that are expensive to produce. And now we know that they're all being recovered and turned into soil that can be applied uh, back to the land and kept out of the landfill. So yeah, I guess getting to cost, the compostable uh, packaging usually costs more. So how can we think about that? Um, maybe it's not just about the dollars spent at the moment. What, what are other ways that we can think about that to, to see the value? Well, one of the biggest value of using the compostable container is that if it will degrade, we don't want it necessarily degrading in the landfill. Uh, We want it to be composted, turned into soil. But think about you're not creating another plastic item that could find its way into our streams and waterways, and it is going to break down. So it's a good investment. It's just, let's get it into the compost bin. And and although it might be a little bit more expensive, um, it's worth investing in. If you were granted one wish to encourage our community members to do one very simple thing and your one wish would flip the switch for them, what would you recommend? What would your wish be? Well, you know what? I have so many wishes, but since you said flip the switch... I'm going to ask people to turn out their outdoor lights at night when they're not using those outdoor spaces. So when you go in in the evening for the rest of the night, either put on a timer or a motion sensor or just flip the switch so those lights don't stay on all night. Because um, in terms of... If you turn off your lights at night, you're doing so many great things. You're reducing your carbon footprint. You're protecting the night sky for future generations so our children and grandchildren can look up at the stars and see them at night. And you're also doing something really important for wildlife, birds and insects. Nothing worse than seeing lights left on at night and nobody's using that space but the insects are attracted to them. Think about the fireflies. Uh, when we turn, keep the lights on at night, we're disrupting um, their life cycle. And there is nothing more magical than sitting out on a summer night and seeing the fireflies. We would never want that to disappear. I have a question that was sent in from four-year-old Hildy, and she asks, What is your favorite pollinator? And why? Bumblebees. They're the best. They are 
big and easy to see. And they're so busy going from one flower to the next. And you usually can get up really close because they're not paying any attention to you. They're they're just interested in gathering the pollen. So get close, check out all the pollen that's collected on their legs and on their hairs around their body. Um, But they're just really fun to investigate and they make lovely little buzzing sounds. You are uh, super involved and and, uh, a very engaged community member. What would you suggest to to people who are just dipping their toe into stewardship or people who are wanting to get more involved? In terms of stewardship, there are some great uh, programs, the Ivana Master Naturalist Program, the Master Gardener Program, the... Charlottesville area, Tree Stewarts. So there's some great programs that you can get involved with. And the other wonderful thing is that now that so many so many of the meetings and presentations are online, so great opportunities to just learn more about what's happening uh, with local government. If you're interested in recycling, I invite you to become a recycling volunteer and come down to McIntyre Recycling Center to learn more about um, what can and cannot be recycled and help others. It's such a great community of people that come out to recycle. I always have a great conversation with somebody when I'm there. Uh, well, Christine, it's been so nice to have you here. Uh, are there any other uh, last uh, last thoughts that come to your head when it comes to the work, the immense amount of work you're doing with the county? Well, I, w- I would like to share. I hope that everybody spends some time outside um, and taking a good look around studying and enjoying the natural world that we have. We live in a beautiful place, and I just uh, welcome all of you to join me in enjoying that and protecting it. Well, that wraps up our conversation about environmental stewardship in our backyards. First, thanks to Christine Putnam for being my guest on Let's Talk Albemarle. Thank you for listening. And thanks to everyone who has sent in show ideas, questions, and amazing constructive feedback. That is so important as I try to up my game each episode. I would love to hear from you. Call or email me to share your constructive feedback, suggest a topic, or ask a question you have about Albemarle County local government. 434-296-5841 extension 3274 or sgruia at albemarle.org. Let's talk Albemarle. And as we close, I'm going to let our friend Hildy tell us about her favorite pollinator. My favorite pollinator is a, a, a bee because it makes honey. Yum, yum, yum. I love honey, 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 honey!